The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast for this wonderful Monday, June 8th edition. As always, Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall joining you on National Best Friends Day, Jordan. Happy National Best Friends Day. This is quite nice. We get to catch up. How fitting. Same to you, Katie. Uh, It really is fitting because we are best friends, right? We are. I I mean, yeah, I put it out there, but I don't know if I'm one person, like a person to have like one best friend. Um, And also you got to love these national days. Like what national donut day just happened to I love it. It it makes, I mean, specifically for this Monday, it makes it a little better, but speaking of making things better too, as far as the NHL goes today is the official start of phase two and that return to play uh, plan that we've talked so much about for those that may not know the, the phase two is the part in where players can return to their practice facilities in their home cities um, specifically in the Flyers case, we see late last week, Jordan Chuck Fletcher announces that the Virtuous Center Skate Zone in Voorhees will be opening. So officially opened their doors this wonderful Monday. Um, we see some players going in, but the Flyers even said themselves, they expect pro- approximately six players to be starting out in this. And again, no more than six can be on the ice, no coaches. I mean, this is still very strict, which you love to see. You got to make it safe and, and whatnot. But in the coming weeks and coming days, even we can expect more and more players to jump into this. Yeah, I think it's good news for the Flyers. I don't think they're expecting many guys right off the bat, like especially today, Monday, um, as it officially started. Um, I don't think they were expecting many. Maybe just the guys that have kind of been local. I believe uh, we know Ivan Provorov's been in the area. Uh, Shane Gossesbear is a Northeast guy, so pretty sure he's in the area. Um, I believe Sean Couturier was still in Philly. Uh, not exactly sure. but uh, So I don't think they're expecting a large amount of guys. Obviously, only six are permitted uh, during each session. Um, but it is a good step that the facility is open and that they have things ready to go and the safety precautions are being taken. And hopefully it goes well. Hopefully it goes well. These guys can train and, you know, we don't see any hiccups or issues uh, and that can hopefully lead into f- eventually uh, phase three, Katie, where training camps are set to begin. So good to know that players are back in the facilities. Not many people can be there other than just obviously the permitted personnel. Um, but definitely nice to see. And hopefully more and more players start coming back uh, to the Philadelphia area and uh, things can kind of start rolling a little bit. Yeah, it's quite interesting. You mentioned some of the players there. I mean, all that matters in this case, at least in my eyes, is that these players are able, Jordan, to get on the ice again. How long has that been? Uh, that's such an obvious component of a hockey player's abilities is to skate. I mean, that's half of it. You can stick handle all you want. You mentioned Sean Couturier. We know he was keeping busy doing some home workouts, being a good husband, being just a, a good person, maybe. I would like to assume that. Um, but a lot of these guys haven't had the same access, of course, to the exception of Ivan Provorov, who we know had his own um, sheet throughout this quarantine, which or ice sheet, I should elaborate, throughout this quarantine. Um, it's certainly good to see. But I think the fact that they can hop on the ice, yes, you know, you'd love to see the whole team and, and coaches. But you know what? 
keep crossing the fingers. Hopefully, Jordan, we, we will see that soon as training camp uh, could happen mid-July as of now. But a big thing, too, is that once again, these players are getting on the ice. You mentioned, too, it's like we're going to see, obviously, you know, like this approximately six players now and maybe even more than that um, moving forward closer. But a lot of these players you can expect are going to be maybe hanging out in their home cities in the meantime. Um, another a big player I can think of is James Van Riemsdyk, who we've mentioned before. He's uh, living in Minnesota, him and his wife, and they're course their new daughter um I saw a report today Michael Russo um from the athletics someone who I used to work alongside with um in Minnesota he was mentioning Tria Rink uh you know the wild will, will be taking the ice soon here and James Van Riemsdyk might be a part of that bunch so you may be seeing Jordan some of these players from different teams if they're in the same city as other teams and there's just a, a ice rink around and I do know too I mean maybe that's even been happening throughout this time James Van Riemsdyk you can imagine has been finding some ice um, and him and maybe other players of this Flyers team, you're happy, I guess, regardless of the, where they are, you'd love to see them getting back to skate zone soon. But Jordan, if they're skating, if they're working out, uh, you got to be happy with that. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a big reason why the Flyers are probably only expecting a handful of guys right now, uh, because these are voluntary workouts. Uh, they're not mandatory by any means. And Flyers have players literally all, all across the world. Um, <laughs> So we don't exactly know what the restrictions are like in some of these places where uh, the players are staying, but there's probably a good chance at this point by now, like you said with JVR, that they've been able to find some ice. They've, they've, a lot of them probably have their own workout plans and their own facilities or maybe facility where they've been able to go to uh, that's been safe uh, and allowed to go to. Uh, so a lot of these players are probably already comfortable in their own routine with where they are. They've probably been able to find ice. Uh, so they're able to kind of do their own thing, almost like the offseason where maybe they train. Uh, it's very similar to that. Uh, it's kind of very similar to the start of a season and training camp. A lot of these guys tend to get to skate zone maybe a week or a week or so early. Some don't. Some get there the day, you know, maybe the day or two before. Uh, it all depends about where they live, um, what they have at, um, at their fingertips and what they can be able to do. Uh, so I don't think it'll be alarming if it kind of – players slowly trickle in but they're all going to get there when they have to but it is great to see the facility open uh in a safe fashion and for the players that are in the area that do want to use skate zone they can they can get there and kind of start getting their feet wet again i think that's great that's a good thing to say yeah you make a great point there jordan talking about like the off season and treating it like that of course we all know this is such a unique circumstance uh to have sort of this training camp to be getting ready uh in early June, uh, mid-June, even moving forward, having a training camp potentially in mid-July. Um, but it's a great point that you have. When you think about these, these players getting ready, of course, they're not going to have their full team abilities, but it, it is like an offseason. They're, they're uh, groomed in this sort of manner. They're players that have to stay ready throughout the summer uh, doing workouts. Of course, this is definitely uh, accelerated a little bit more because you're, you're getting ready for a potential Stanley Cup playoff run. But it is true. I mean, they've been sort of in this scenario and even talking with uh, the strength and conditioning coach that we had on last week, um, Chris Osmond, he, he was saying too that, you know, he's giving out workouts like that, you know, and the biggest probably downfall from that is that the equipment hasn't been as readily available for some of these players that have to, you know, quarantine at home and whatnot. But it is something that kind of gives you like a little bit of ease. I think of course you're still, you know, are they going to be able to pick up where they left off? Are they going to be ready? 
specifically for the Flyers, it's like, it is like an off season in that manner. And you know what, it, as long as hockey's going to happen and these guys have the ability to access, um, as you mentioned, voluntary workouts on ice and off ice, they can sort of get together, get in groove. Um, that's, that's really just something that is so important in the uh, grand scheme of things. Absolutely. And I think the good, uh, another good thing about uh, this phase two and the timeline that we're looking at is that the, the players and teams are really going to have ample time to be ready and not just get thrown into it kind of irresponsibly. If you think about it, phase two has started today, June 8th, uh, and they don't expect to start training camps until the, at the earliest July 10th. So that gives them over a month to have these phase two workouts. And then you tack on training camp, which would be at least like seven to 10 days, maybe two weeks. Uh, that would be a lot of time, thankfully, for these players to hopefully get their legs going, get their conditioning together, allow teams to reconvene and plan and strategize. Um, so I think the NHL is really giving everyone ample time to get together. And what's funny, Katie, is that we, we speak of training camp and how this has really like a start of the season type of feel where guys are kind of slowly making their way to the facility and then all of a sudden training camp picks up. At that time of year, uh, before each season, this is when we're really starting to talk about rosters and roster battles and who's going to make the cut. We kind of have that situation right now. Uh, right now, reportedly, the NHL and NHLPA, it's still under discussion right now for phase three and phase four, but they're talking about possibly expanding rosters during this 2014 field, expanding rosters from 23, which is the, the cutoff uh, when you're in the regular season. No team can have more than 23 on the roster. They're talking about expanding it to 28, somewhere in that ballpark, and then obviously having unlimited number of goalies. So it had us thinking, if the Flyers roster is at 23, and we could pick five guys to add to their 2014 format roster, who would we pick? Katie, let's start with you. Who are you liking as the extra five guys for the Flyers to bring on board? Yeah, well, of course, this makes you excited because when you think of the fact that there's going to be a fully healthy Flyers roster, James Van Riemsdyk included, even potentially Shane Gostisbehere who was dealing with that knee and, you know, we saw him moving around um, before the NHL pause. I mean, with that in, in tune here, that you have a full healthy roster, you get to add even more weapons. And yes, the Flyers aren't the only guys. This is going to be every single team. But in the Flyers' case, this is such an advantage when you look at the AHL weapons that they've utilized throughout the season, um, weapons that could really step up. And those weapons for me, I'm going to start first and foremost with Morgan Frost. This is a guy that um, could be sort of that spark plug. He's a smart player. He has a good vision of the ice. He's a young player. That's the only you know thing that might be a concern, um, but he would be ready. We, we've even seen you know Farabee is, is alike with him in different manners. He could be a player that really could add that spark. Uh, I see him as a guy that's working out right now. He got the call, be ready to go. Um, I think without a doubt, Morgan Frost. Um, I'm also going to go with Mark Friedman. When we, when we think about the um, defensive um, depth, even Shane Gostisbehere, who I just um, mentioned, Mark Friedman's a player that'll just add even more of that. I think he's the number one defenseman from the AHL, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms that you could really – Utilized on your roster, he uh, he's been up quite a you know only the six games this season. He had an assist, um, but he's he's there when you need him, and he really had stepped up when there was different injuries going on. Uh, as far as the blue liners go, he could add some extra depth on that. So those two, including uh, Connor Bunneman, I really like this player as well. 
Um, again, a player, too, that when he was called up this season, he did what he needed to as far as what I could see um, in a player that really can make a spark. Uh, and then I, I was kind of – before I get to the goaltender that, you know, we could all picture, I, I was kind of um, – Jordan in this struggle where I was like – I could see two different things here for, for this player, for this position. It's like, I could either see Chris Stewart, um, like do the Flyers want that 11 year, like that veteran, that NHL veteran in a way that, you know, adds grittiness to the game, step up, steps up for his teammates, definitely brings that emotion. Um, and just maybe that protection, if that's the right word, Chris Stewart really utilizing him in the playoffs. Um, or could they, you know, add a Mikhail Vorobiev? Um, he's a player too that could play center. He could play wing. Uh, it, it's just kind of which one do you think they could utilize more? I picture that all of, both of those guys are, are staying game ready at the moment. Um, and, you know, another one too would be Rupsov, another guy that potentially is staying ready. But with my five, again, going Friedman, Frost, Bunham, and uh, Vorobiev. And then, of course, I got to add Alex Lyon in there. We saw him step up. You need a goaltender, you know, like we don't want to picture Carter Hart um, going down or, or any of that. I won't even get farther ahead to jinx it there, but – Carter Hart, when he, he was uh, down a little bit this season, we saw Brian Elliott really step up and take over, but even Alex Lyons stepping in, being that backup, switching out with Brian Elliott when he needed to. Um, he's a player, too, that he was a part of the, the situation last year for the Flyers. He, uh, he definitely had grown sort of in that maturity. We know he's a mature player off the ice. <laughs> so smart, um, firstly, with that Alex Lyon. But anyway, his, his game smarts. Um, from what we saw from him this season, I could picture him without a doubt being the goalie that the Flyers are keeping ready. So those are my five. Um, and again, I just pictured that like more than those five, there might be like a, like other few guys, Jordan, that like you're wanting to keep so many different things ready. Cause I just feel like you don't really know what you have until you have it. Um, so you don't want to limit anything. I could picture Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vino both being alike in that manner. Um, there could be another defenseman that they want to be uh, staying ready. Even David, David Kasha is another person that I think of um, who, ha who also made a splash this year. Um, quite a funny player, too. He's got a lot of uh, good humor. So it depends, uh, of course. The humor could add in quite a little bit of fun for the team, but would he make an impact? I don't know about that. I, you know, you could imagine he maybe could, but that is just like an array of different things I'm thinking that could be potential scenarios, but you would think they're keeping a handful of guys ready. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. They really do have a slew of options, Katie, when you look at it, because they've had a lot of guys come up and get kind of a cup of coffee with them uh, and perform well. Like David Kasha was a guy that I did not pick, but he came up and did his job and really performed and the Flyers liked what he did, that they really did. And he, uh, so he's another option that you almost kind of forget about that could, could come in and, and give you some help or at least be some insurance. So uh, I'm totally with you there. Uh, for me, my five that I picked, Morgan Frost was just like you, Katie. He was the first one that came to my mind. Um, one of the team's top prospects you saw when he came up and made his NHL debut, um, he gave them a jolt of offense immediately. And I think he's a guy that, uh, is a great person to kind of have in your pocket. Uh, say you're in a seven-game series and all of a sudden you fall behind, you're struggling to generate offense. He's a guy you can kind of throw in there if you need to, and he would immediately give you um, an injection of offense. So Morgan Frost, hands down, first guy that came to mind for me. Connor Bunneman, I would also like to see, uh, did really well performing as the fourth-line center when uh, they needed him. The only reason he went down 
uh, to Lehigh Valley was at the trade deadline. The Flyers added Derek Grant and Nate Thompson, strictly just for more experience down the middle. Uh, it wasn't a knock on Connor Bunneman. I think they just wanted some guys with a little more games under their belt uh, as this playoff race got hotter. So Bunneman, I think, gives you size, um, and he showed that he can play in a fourth-line center role and not hurt you. So Connor Bunneman's one for me. Third guy, Mark Freeman. I really like Mark Freeman as well. A guy I contemplated to be that eighth defenseman instead of Mark Freeman was maybe Andy Walensky, uh, an experienced guy who played well with Lehigh Valley. He has NHL experience. Um, so he's a little more experienced than Mark Freeman, and I know he, he had performed pretty well at Lehigh. But I think they would ultimately go Mark Freeman. He had impressed Elaine Vigneault in his stint with the Flyers. Good guy, good mobility, um, good energy, can draw penalties. Uh, I think they liked Mark Freeman, so he would be my eighth defenseman joining the seven already here. And then two other forwards. Uh, Alex Lyon would obviously be my goalie as well. Uh, NHL experience, I see uh, no reason why they wouldn't have Alex Lyon be their third goalie. Uh, and then my two other guys, two forwards, uh, Carson Torinsky and Andy Andreoff. Andreoff brings a physical element. He kind of reminds me a little bit of the Chris Stewart ilk. Katie, like you said, a guy that – if a series does get physical and you need a guy to kind of get in there and play tough physical minutes and kind of maybe stir the pot a little bit. Uh, Andy Andreos, a guy that can do that. He also has positional versatility. He can play center or winger. So I see him as a guy that you would want to have in your arsenal if you need to go to someone like that. Uh, and then Carson Twinsky, I thought was just a great energized, uh, a great energy guy. He opened the season here. Uh, he constantly plays with energy. So if you need, a guy that's going to kind of jump in there and just give you a boost with energy, um, pure effort, uh, make things happen. You know what you're getting from him. If Carson Twins, he had to draw into the lineup, you knew exactly what you were getting. Um, he has constantly said, I am an energy guy. I'm always going to outplay the other person. So I like him as my, as another forward. Uh, so those are my five Morgan Frost, Connor Bunneman, Mark Freeman, Carson Twinsky, and Andy Andreoff. But again, Flyers have options, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's a fun thing to debate uh, that they have all these guys to really pick from. Yeah, and Jordan, I mean, you were talking earlier, like going off of this, like with the Flyers, what they already have, a lot of questions throughout this season have been revolved around Nolan Patrick. No, we still don't have any update. Even us media, you know, we can only expect that he would get more and more healthy even throughout this uh, NHL pause. You know, this could only be a good thing for Nolan Patrick, but. Where's your concern with there? I mean, would he be a part of this roster? Like, how does that whole situation work where he would be taking up the spot? Just explain it to, you know, maybe those that may not understand. Absolutely. Yeah, Katie, what we were kind of doing there was basically under the assumption that JVR will be healthy, so he would be the 22nd man on the roster. And then we were also assuming that Nolan Patrick, say Nolan Patrick, fills that final roster spot, and all of a sudden the Flyers are at 23. So, yeah, the Nolan Patrick situation is interesting uh, we knew he was trending in the right direction. That's what Chuck Fletcher said toward the end of the regular season before the season was suspended on March 12th. Patrick was trending in the right direction. He was starting the practice. Uh, he was skating more and more. We were hearing that he was making progress. But he hadn't been clear for contact yet, um, which is a huge hurdle to go. Uh, so, obviously, there's been an extended break where uh, you're hoping that he was making more progress. He's been working out. Uh, but obviously it's not like he's been clear for contact and we don't know if yeah. he will be when he gets back. I looked it up, Katie. He hasn't played a game since April 2nd, 2019. So say the season starts back up on 
say hypothetically it starts back up on August 1. That will have been over a year. That will have been 487 days since he had played a game. I just don't see him getting into a game. I would love to see it personally, uh, just yeah. to see him healthy and out there and playing the game that he loves. He's a really good kid. Uh, we hope for the best with his migraine disorder. But I would just be surprised to see him go that long without playing a game and then all of a sudden kind of being thrown in there. The only reason I could really see him maybe getting one game, if he does get clear for contact, he practices, he feels good, the Flyers feel good putting him in there, he is cleared to play. When maybe he will get a, a game in the round-robin scenario where, say, the Flyers maybe struggle in their first two games into that round-robin and they really – clearly realize they cannot climb any further. They cannot improve their seed. Then I would maybe see Nolan Patrick getting a game there just to get his feet wet, see how it goes. Uh, but then once that best of seven first round series opens up, uh, I just can't imagine him being in there. That's a long, long time without him playing a game. I think the Flyers are really more focused on the big picture with Nolan Patrick. Uh, and so is Nolan Patrick. I think he's realizing um, they're looking more towards next season and being ready to go, not get too cute, not play with things. But if he's, if he's clear for contact and can play, I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't contemplate maybe getting him in the lineup. For me, Katie, where if he does play, I would see him being third-line center. What you could do is you can maybe take out Nicholas Albe-Kubel from the fourth-line winger spot. You could bump Scott Lawton down from third-line center to the fourth line, have Scott Lawton play – a fourth-line winger role. So your fourth line would be Derek Grant in the middle, Lawton on a wing, Michael Roffel on a wing. That's not a bad line. It's a really tough-to-play-against line. And then you would have Nolan Patrick in third-line center. But that would be best-case scenario for me. I just, yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. How about you? Well, you just bring up a great point in general. Like, everyone listening, don't get me wrong. I understand this is such a, again, a different circumstance, and we cannot ever imagine or predict what the coaching staff and even, you know, Chuck Fletcher and what's going to happen here as far as the lineup goes. But, Jordan, like, going off of throughout the season, like, Lane Vino isn't one to really switch things up too much. And if things are working, he's going to hang with it. We've seen that with goaltending as well. So it's really hard for me to picture, like, of course you want to see Nolan, like, I personally agree. I would love to see him up there and all season long, you and I going to skate zone, seeing him out there gives you like a little extra energy for the day. You're like, oh, Nolan Patrick is skating and you get all excited and fans love to see it too. They want to hear more about Nolan Patrick. And it's always been, uh, you know, we want to see him throughout this whole entire season. But now here is we might be starting a season so late in the summer. You mentioned the amount of days that it had been, you know, personally for him, if he were going to play. Um, just thinking of all of that, it would just take a lot for me to picture Lane Vino, especially the way things are working now. And, you know, with the lines again, Hey, if the first game of the round Robin doesn't go well, yeah, he's maybe going to switch it up. But uh, do you know what I mean there with just, I don't know how much I could see him moving things around just to fit Nolan Patrick in there when he hadn't played all season and the Flyers are doing this well. Exactly. Katie. That's just another hurdle right there. Is that like you said, Lane Vino had mentioned it when he was speaking about Nolan Patrick throughout the season, he goes, I, I'm coaching the guys that I have here with me. I'm not worried about the people that are not there. I, 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 I'm given the players that are healthy and I, I coach those players as best I can. That wasn't a, he wasn't knocking Nolan Patrick at all. He was just being realistic. I, I don't have Nolan Patrick to put in the lineup. So I think that would be another thing is that Elaine Vigneault is coaching as if they're, they're trying to win the Stanley cup. I don't think yeah. he's going to be trying to get too cute here 
um, Nolan Patrick would have to be fully cleared to play. And if you even remember during the regular season, he was not clear for contact yet. And then even if he was clear for contact and he had been getting in physical board battles type of practices, there was a good chance he was going to go to Lehigh Valley to get a conditioning stint where he was going to probably play a good number of games down there to really be ready for NHL caliber of games. Uh, I, that, that just makes it so difficult to foresee him going 480 plus days without playing an NHL game and all of a sudden kind of hopping back in there. So yeah. I, I understand why it's a thought. It really would be great. Nolan Patrick was the second overall pick of the 2017 draft. That's exciting. When Nolan Patrick comes back, it should be exciting for fans. Um, it should be exciting for him because he's getting a step closer to hopefully getting back to playing the game he loves. That, that really is exciting, but I just don't foresee it. There's just too many hurdles, I think, to envision him getting back into these games. Uh, yeah. But I think it's good that we're talking about it, uh, Katie. Um, it's a topic of conversation. And another yeah. young guy that we're, <laughs> we're all sudden talking about and talking about workload and uh, his first time being in the playoffs is Carter Hart, Katie. That's um, a 21-year-old goalie who's going to be playing his first postseason games uh, if the season does resume. Not only is he going to be playing his first postseason games, he's going to be doing it in some pretty unprecedented times uh, with no fans uh, in a different format. Do you worry, Katie, at all about his workload, him going into this? Um, do you think it's going to be too big for him at all, being a young player that he is? Absolutely not. And you know what? Like, this is something that I like thinking too, when we would catch up with him, you know, where he is now catching up uh, with what he's been up to and his uh, strength uh, training and even just, you know, his, uh, his mental training too. I can't even keep track of it. I'm like trying to add up everything that he's been doing because yeah. he, he's so busy always trying to stay in tune and stay in shape. Um, so with the fact that all of this is so different for everybody, Carter Hart is one that is going to be ready from the get-go, I could see. Like, physicality and just mental stability in this, I have zero concern. But, um, yeah, that experience when you don't have it, of course this is something new that's going to be for him. But throughout what we've seen this season, if we want to get into that, like, there, everyone has seen it. His play is explained on the ice without any – we don't have to explain anything else. So, of course, like, when you think about home and away is a big concern, maybe. Um, and I say maybe because the playoffs aren't going to have fans. So it's like – Yes, you play so well at Wells Fargo Center. Maybe that's just the home crowd feeding off of them, and maybe on the road it's different. This is, again, his first NHL season. But if that's a concern with um, in the playoffs, like I don't think it should be because there's not going to be any fans. Like This home ice advantage, that's going to be a huge thing when you pull that out of the manner, uh, matter. Um, I just, I've said it like 14 times in my whole statement right here. I have zero concern about Carter Hart, like, and I could never say it enough. Hopefully, you know, that I, I don't have to roll back on that. I don't think I will have to. Um, and Jordan, I, I think you could agree to an extent that um, you shouldn't be as concerned with what you've seen him do um, throughout this season, uh, what he's been able to prove, his maturity. You know, when he had that injury, pulled himself out. He knew how important he was. He knew how to take his time. Um, he, he is a, a player that we've even heard, you know, again, Brian Boucher and even guys too that know so well at this position. This is a, a that's such a key component um, in the NHL. And fortunately, it's a key, key component for the Flyers. I'm excited to see him get out on the ice. And you know what? In the coming years as well, he's going to be overall. And we all know that. We don't have to get too much into it. He's going to be great. Um, and I, I'm not going to fall back on that, Jordan. Like, this is going to be awesome. He's going to be awesome. 
I love that, Katie. And you make a great point about the whole playoff experience thing. Like, we're talking so much about, hey, this guy has playoff experience. He would be good. So you think of, like, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a player that doesn't have good postseason experience, what would, what would maybe make them uh, become unraveled a little bit? Probably the fans. Like, the, the pressure and intensity of the fans. Uh, so that does change the whole – element and storyline of playoff experience like this guy doesn't have it but this guy does I really don't think that's going to matter as much like you say Katie because there aren't fans in the building this is new for everyone everyone so um one guy that has 90 games of playoff experience and one guy that has zero that whole disparity probably isn't as large as what it would be with fans and young players getting out there with the the craziness and 22,000 fans just yelling and screaming that's where it would probably impact the young guy not without any fans. If anything, maybe the physicality of the games kind of takes it up to another lo- another notch. And that would maybe where, like, a younger player would not totally be ready for, like, the, phys- the physicality probably off the, off the hop. But I really don't – yeah, I really don't worry about some younger players in this type of element because it's different for every single guy, no matter how old you are. So for Carter Hart, I really don't have any concerns. He is a creature of habit. He doesn't care what building he's playing in. Fans never really got to him, to be honest. He's so, like, zoned in and focused. Uh, He goes about his routine, whether there's two fans or 22,000. So I really don't worry about Carter Hart. I think if they needed to get Brian Elliott a game, maybe they'll do it in that round robin, whereas I've said before, maybe the Flyers lose the first two games. They really can't improve their seeding. So they get Brian Elliott a game. He gets gets kind of some uh, game action. He's fresh. So that way, when they get to a best-of-seven series, all of a sudden Brian Elliott has kind of his legs underneath him and he's got that game uh, feel. So that would be a good thing. If you can get Brian Elliott, maybe a game in the round robin. But when it gets to that best-of-seven series, uh, I think they will ride Carter Hart. uh, And I don't think it's going to be too much for him. I think he's going to be focused and ready to play uh, with no fans. and And he won't find any trouble finding motivation. I don't think nerves or any of that will really be an issue. I really don't. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Jordan, like, how nice is it? I don't know how many times I've said this, but for all Flyers fans to just take a deep breath and be like, wow, goaltending is actually not too much of a concern this season. Like, it's been the case all year long in comparison to last year. But, I mean, you just reminded me there. When we talked so much about Carter Hart, no concern, right? Both of you and I agree with that. Like, we've seen what he can do even throughout practice. We've seen – all fans have seen what he's done all season long. But that whole teamwork, that whole tandem that he was able to work out with Brian Elliott when you mentioned that top goaltender this year for the Flyers as well, um, it's awesome to remember. You know, if if something doesn't work, if you know, that first game doesn't go the way you want in the round robin, I mean, you can work off what you have with, with Brian Elliott as well. He's just as capable. He's a guy, too, who has many more years. He's another weapon. Um, goaltending shouldn't be too much of a concern, at least for what I, I see. Um, it, it's definitely a good problem to have. And, you know, going back to what I said about an equal playing field, you know, thinking if Carter Hart's going up against – two-time cup winner, Matt Murray. I mean, I just feel like Matt Murray is in the same exact boat here. You've never prepared for a huge global pandemic like this to pause your whole entire season for you to have to stay in shape as a goaltender and start right back up. It really is. No one has ever done this, Katie, like you said. Uh, No one has ever played the Stanley Cup playoffs with zero fans in the building. So I really think the experience whole storyline is um, definitely lesser of one, whereas uh, if these – playoffs were in front of 
jam-packed buildings. I think maybe Elaine Vigneault would think twice or maybe give Carter Hart a shorter leash or maybe he would give a Nicholas Albe Kubel a shorter leash or a Philip Myers a shorter leash. Whereas now that whole experiencing, uh, it just doesn't play as big of a factor because this truly is unique to everyone. And, and Katie, when we think of Flyers playoff hockey and we think of experience, um, one guy that comes to mind is Wayne Simmons. And it's kind of disappointing that we will not see a guy like Wayne Simmons be playing playoff hockey. He is always a guy that we would love to see on the ice in playoff hockey because of his energy, because of his leadership, because of uh, the physicality that he brings. Uh, he was a fun guy to watch play playoff hockey with the Buffalo Sabres. He will not be in this 2014 field. But Wayne Simmons' name did come up today uh, in very, very cool fashion. He, along with six other players, Katie, started and formed the Hockey Diversity Alliance. A very cool thing they came together. Wayne Simmons, Akeem Alio, Evander Kane, Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. And this is something, what, what I love about it, Katie, during these times where we're dealing, unfortunately, dealing with issues of racism and racial injustice. What I like about this was that it was independent of the NHL. These players did this on their own. They came together and formed this really cool thing to focus on these issues and not only just talk about them, uh, but to, to go about and be proactive in sparking change. And I'll read a part of the mission statement for this Hockey Diversity Alliance that these players came together and formed. It says, our mission is to eradicate racism and intolerance in hockey. We will strive to be a force for positive change, not only within our game of hockey, but also within society. Although we will be independent of the NHL, we are hopeful that we will work productively with the league to accomplish these important changes. We believe in the importance of accountability in developing inclusivity and diversity for all involved in our sport, including fans and the league office. So very, very powerful stuff. I am not surprised Wayne Simmons was one of the guys that was behind this, leading the charge. Uh, he is one of the most prominent uh, black players in the NHL. He has played a long time in this league. He has dealt with these issues. And good for him for knowing it's important, knowing that things need to change, and he's behind it. Uh, so I loved it. It was just such, such cool news to see this morning when Wayne Simmons tweeted out the release of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Uh, good for these guys. I'm glad. And I think they're going to have full support from the league and from players across the league. Yeah, Jordan. I mean, of course, I need to echo what you say. This is such an amazing thing to see happen. Of course, in a time like this, just that positivity uh, is something we all just want to cling on to right now. And of course, this is something so positive to see these players, you know, using their platforms. We know how much sports have, um, how big of a you know topic they are in this whole conversation going on in our country right now. Um, to see these professional athletes using their platforms and drawing awareness for this big issue, these big issues, um, is something you love to see. And I mean, you read a statement from you know this, uh, or you read a portion of the statement from you know, what was released uh, early this Monday. I had to add one more thing because when you see this too, I mean, you love it. You love that awareness factor, but also, you know, I, I wanted to know how this is really going to be implemented in the community. Another portion of that statement 
saying, you know, we will promote diversity at all levels of the game through community outreach and engagement with youth, um, with sport while, you know, advocating for acceptance and equality. You love to see that. When I think about kids, you know, it's so exciting to think about a young kid, you know, maybe of even color that can look up to these guys and maybe that's already been happening. I'm sure, you know, even Matt Dumba, Matt, uh, Vander Kane, uh, and even Chris Stewart too is a part of this alliance as well, you know, part of the Flyers organization. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, former Flyer Wayne Simmons. Uh, when you think of those young hockey players and even just young, um, young kids that are, are dealing with maybe these issues, they can look up and really just have an outlet and have something to look up to. Um, another thing to look up to. And with that, I think it's really this alliance that good for them. Like you mentioned, an independent thing away from the NHL, but it really just is amazing to see professional athletes using their platforms uh, for something so great. You love to see it. Absolutely. And that's what's so cool is that this will be impacting um, young kids. They're going to be like, these are the leaders of tomorrow and Wayne Simmons and all these players want to create a better chance for these for these players of color and different backgrounds. And like, that's, what's awesome. They understand it's important. They understand there's issues right now within the league and within the United States and North America with racism and racial injustice, and they want to make it better and they're being proactive and they're sparking change, which is great. Um, yeah. And Jordan, if I could just add one thing too, when we think, I mean, I mentioned his name right there, Chris Stewart, his story, and for our listeners that may not know about it, I, I encourage you to read Chris Stewart and how him and his brother had to be walking to the rink in the snow and just everything they went through to play hockey. It's a very expensive sport. Um, the obstacles they had to overcome as kids to just get ice time and to you know work hard to make it to the NHL. Um, it's truly an amazing story. So Chris Stewart, too, being a part of this, again, a, a member of the Flyers organization, him being a part of this is good to see because he and you can imagine the rest of the players in this alliance the rest of the players throughout the nhl that you know have to do with this it's it's good to see because he is one guy too that i could imagine is such a great role model for those young players as well a hundred percent katie so cool to see the hockey diversity alliance please go read more about that at nbcsportsphiladelphia.com. You can read about their mission and how they plan to accomplish and spark change. Yeah, so overall, Jordan, some good stuff to talk about uh, to get everyone started on this week. Always nice to have some updates from the NHL and certainly nice, once again, to see the Flyers, see any players hitting the ice. Um, and again, something that's been happening even before this Monday, but the fact that Skate Zone is back open for the team, that is an accessible thing for voluntary workouts. You love to see it. I, I will say, too, it's it's fun to see, but for us, too, as media members, it's still such a strict circumstance, Jordan. You know, as well as I do, you know, we, we can't even uh, get inside Skate Zone, let alone any fans. Um, so hoping, you know, that everything goes well and, and we can see this progressively getting better as far as the global pandemic, as far as hockey getting back soon. Um, still such a, a circumstance, though, that um, is, you know, a challenging thing for us to, uh, again, I'm just letting everyone know that we don't have access to these practices as much as we wish, Jordan, we could. But, uh, hey, if they're hitting the ice, we, we can imagine that, you know, that's a good sign. And, again, we'll just try to keep everyone updated on any news we hear um, inside Skate Zone in the meantime. Absolutely, Katie. Just the thought of players being on that ice, even though we can't see it, fans can't see it, uh, even uh, – a majority of team personnel can see it. We can imagine it, and that's a good thing. And hopefully those players and everyone that's at Skate Zone, they stay healthy. Uh, and, again, very positive uh, for the NHL and for the Flyers uh, today, Monday, June 8th. Uh, Kitty Amber, thank you as always. That is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. 
uh, for the fans, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Stanley Cup playoff overtime hockey is the greatest thing going. Game four of the 2000 Eastern Conference semifinals proves that by being the longest game in the modern era of the National Hockey League. The game lasted over seven hours. Throughout the eight periods, players cramped up, had 10-second shifts on the ice, and the arena ran out of food, as told by Flyers play-by-play broadcaster Jim Jackson. They brought pizza up to us well into the night. And they kind of surprised us. They came back a little earlier than expected. I said, welcome back to Civic Arena here in Pittsburgh. And I look at Dorney, and he's got pizza coming out of the corner of his mouth. Sports Uncovered presents the Marathon on Ice. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.